0: Lords of Order, a DC's Doctor Fate fan podcast. This is episode 118. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and beware, there will be spoilers. Beware. That was weird. Beware. If you need to get in touch, Teal Productions on Twitter, T E A L, that's how you spell it. Lords of Order has a Facebook page. The Doctor Fate fan podcast at gmail.com is the email address, and bigtimenoise.com slash Doctor Fate is the web address where the episodes are posted. You can leave comments there, of course. (laughs) Now, today we're looking at Justice League of America 29, the 1960 volume, cover dated August 1964. The story is titled Crisis on Earth 3, and it was scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled by Mike Sikowski, inked by Bernard Sachs, the colorist is not listed, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Now, if you are looking for a reprint of this, there are many. This is the 29th episode uh, issue of this book. I'm not sure why it's so popular, but it can be found in Justice League of America Archives number 4 from 1998, Crisis on Multiple Earths issue number 1 from 2002, Showcase Presents Justice League of America issue number 2. Dated 2007. The Justice League of America Omnibus, number one, from 2014. The Justice League of America Silver Age, issue number three, from 2017. Justice League of America, a celebration of 60 years, from June of 2020. Justice League of America, the Silver Age Omnibus, number one, from 2020. And Crisis on Multiple Earths, number one, crossing over, from April of uh, last year, 2021. Many reprints. Many, many. Now, as we look at the cover of the book, we have an image of, well, actually, the narrator tells us, a superstar spectacular featuring the legendary Justice Society of America, Crisis on Earth 3. Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, Black Canary, Starman, and Hawkman are all looking into a, almost a crystal sphere, uh, into which Dr. Fate is casting some of his Order Chaos Juju which is manifesting on the surface of the sphere and then becoming a huge lightning bolt that is ripping into a table at which is sitting the Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Hal Jordan Green Lantern. Now inside, we have several little narration bars, but predominantly... This page is introducing us to who will be our dramatis personae for this story. The Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and Green Lantern of Earth-1. Hawkman, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight, and Starman of Earth-2. And I believe this is the introduction of Superwoman, Owlman, Ultraman, Johnny Quick, and Power Ring of Earth-3. Now that having been said here for a moment, let me take a step back from the book. Uh, Over the next many, many episodes of the show, uh, I think the next 19 or 20 episodes, like 16 or 17 of those will be dual issues of the Justice League of America covering the yearly Justice League, Justice Society crossovers that are going to occur. So those for the next several years are the only places that uh, Dr. Fate, even with uh, recon- uh, um retcons, well, excuse me there for a moment, had a had a, a, a brain stoppage. Uh, even with retcons or flashbacks, that predominantly for this time period is going to be where the flash, uh, excuse me, Dr. Fate appears. There's a couple, three issues that are not Justice League. Otherwise, it's these crossovers for the next little while that we're going to be looking at. So this story opens with the flash. Speeding towards a couple crooks that he has spied, hiding behind a car, having robbed uh something. We're not really sure what they've robbed, but they're waiting for a patrolman on patrol, on foot patrol. They're going to gun him down, but the Flash has to stop it, and he does. Next, we see that is our Flash, Earth-1 Flash. Earth-2 Flash is running up on a couple bad guys that have stopped a... Policemen to ask him for directions with the same thought in mind. They're going to kill him and get him out of the way and then proceed to do their crime. Well, the flash is onto that and stops that. Now we cut to Earth 3, where we see Johnny Quick uh, running out of a museum with a statue valued at a million credits. The police there were expecting him. They drop a metal net on him, but he vibrates out of that and gets away. Moving on, we see Power Ring, which is the analog for Green Lantern, and Superwoman, the analog for Wonder Woman, uh, both doing something. I I think they maybe are just working out. I don't believe they're really committing any crimes, but they succeed in doing, you know, in in overcoming their obstacles. Now, all three, at some point uh, in their little cameos here, have said how they are, out of practice, because on their world, uh, being bad guys, they have overcome all of the... There, there are no superheroes. They're only supervillains, and, and these are they. So the, it, it's gotten to be too easy. And they're bemoaning being out of practice, being out of shape, and wanting harder challenges. Now, next, our narrator takes us to telling us, uh, well... A couple things, telling us that there are uh, very similar heroes on Earth 1 and Earth 2. And as examples, they use Flash, Green Lantern, and the Atom. Then we go to Earth 3. They're telling us a little bit of history about Earth 3, such as Columbus. He was an American who discovered Europe. And that England uh, won their freedom from the United States in 1776 from the Revolutionary War. How about Abe Lincoln being an actor who shot the president who was John Wilkes Booth? Then we go to a just a uh, brief introduction of our villains slash antiheroes. Johnny Quick, Superwoman, Owlman, Power Man, excuse me, Power Ring, and Ultraman, who are analogs of The Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, and Superman. We focus in more on Earth Three as Johnny Quick, Power Woman, sorry, Superwoman, and Power Ring uh, come into their headquarters with Owlman, and they have a discussion. Uh, up comes Ultraman, having overcome his whatever he was out doing, and he, he tells us here in a moment. But everyone, uh, including Owlman, is bemoaning the the doldrums that they're in. Everything has gotten to be too easy. There's no challenge left. They're they're not they're they're no longer sharp as uh, practitioners of their superpowers. Ultraman tells us uh, what he was doing. He was at a museum stealing a new meteorite that they had found, and he found out that it was kryptonite. Well, on Earth-3, kryptonite gives him a new superpower. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's like a a permanent change. I I think it's only temporary. might be permanent. We, We don't really get into that either way. But when he was holding this meteor of kryptonite, which was about the size of his torso. It's a pretty big meteorite. It gave him the ability, um, he called it ultra vision, it gave him the ability to see across dimensions. And he watched Earth One for a little while. Watched uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, enough to realize that they were all doing the work of good they were the good guys, but they were superpowered. And so he's thinking that with the help of Power Ring that the Earth Three villains could travel to Earth one and test their metal against them, assuming thinking slash assuming that you know we're we're probably stronger, we're probably better, we'll overcome them. You know, we'll have some fun in that we finally have some competition. But ultimately, we will defeat them and take over Earth-1, just like we have taken over Earth-3. So, a little bit of a challenge, giving us new booty to plunder, as it were. Well, before they leave, Owlman has an idea, um, and he tells them, but we break away, so we don't hear it, so it's a surprise. So, we go to Earth-1, where the Justice League is meeting— And the meeting is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, and the uh, ever-popular Snapper car. Batman tells everybody at the beginning that Aquaman, Green Arrow, Adam, and the Martian Manhunter, John Johns, are busy on cases. So that gets those four out of the way as far as the story is concerned. That way we can focus on the analogs of the Earth-3 villains that have been created. I don't know if um, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Adam, John Jones, I don't know if any of those actually get equivalencies on Earth-3. Maybe over the next several, several, several episodes, we'll see. So first, uh, let's see here. Now we have a montage of the Earth-3 villains on Earth-1. Uh, Johnny Quick is taking out a jewelry store. Power Ring, the robbing a U.S. Treasury depot. Ultraman is breaking an armored car and stealing. Owlman is at a bank. And Superwoman is uh, at a museum. We don't really see what she's getting, but we can assume it's something valuable. News reports go out calling for help. Everybody breaks off. Green Lantern says that he'll take out Power Ring, The Flash take out Johnny Quick, Superman will take out Ultraman, Wonder Woman will take out Superwoman, and Batman will take out Owlman. Now, I don't know why necessarily they divvied up that way, because I we don't see that they know what the individual powers are. But I mean they they paired off, you know, right appropriately to fight their analog, but We don't necessarily see why. They just are rushing out, um, announcing that that's what they're going to do. So first up is the Flash who encounters not Johnny Quick, but Ultraman as he's breaking out, uh, tearing up a vault at a bank. Some fisticuffs, Flash spinning, creating a uh, negative pressure kind of situation or a hurricane kind of situation. Ultraman, with his super breath, uh, defeats that. Blows the flesh into a stone wall, but because he can vibrate, he vibrates through it. Uh, Having an idea because he's facing Ultraman, he, I don't know, uh, I guess just visually and and for the story, um, he assumes that this is, he is like Superman and so he must be uh, sensitive to kryptonite. The Flash runs out to a local museum, grabs some kryptonite, runs up and throws it at Ultraman, and it, it busts apart on his chest, giving him the power of flame sight, uh, heat vision, but it, it doesn't heat up uh, something. It, it's actual flames that emit from his eyes. Once again, the Flash vibrates, this time dropping through the floor, but then immediately moving back up and behind Ultraman, and he starts um, using both hands like trip hammers, the narrator tells us. And as Ultraman is falling into unconsciousness, he yells out the word V-O-L-T-H-O-O-M, Volthum. But he is, well, the moment the fastest man on Earth-1 grasps him, Ultraman cries out, it's what the narrator tells us. And we see Volthoom and the Flash says, good gosh, what's happening to us? So in saying Volthoom, something is triggered that occurs. Now, one can quickly assume that Volthoom must have something to do with whatever Owlman told them right at the end of that segment that we did not see. Next, we go to Batman, who was looking for Owlman, but instead finds Johnny Quick robbing a museum uh via coolly taking the paintings out of the frames which I think is a brilliant idea why heft those frames all over the place right just dislodge them and roll them up and take them with you um so batman throws a sleep gas pellet which of course quick uses his uh, his speed to create air pressure to force the gas towards batman batman holds his breath and runs through the gas surprising Quick by suddenly being on his side. Using judo, he attempts to throw Johnny Quick, but with his speed, Quick reverses the throw and instead throws Batman, who then lays on the floor uh, as if he is unconscious, and when Johnny Quick approaches him, Batman knocks him out with a punch, but on his way into the land of unconsciousness, Flash says, Volthoom. Next up is Superman, who, rather than Ultraman, encounters Power Ring, picking up a bank and shaking it to dump out all the goodies, which is always funny to, to think about. The Power Ring must be made of something Superman feels because it attacks him and the attack works. So he doesn't know. He, he suspects that the Power Ring must po- be powered either by Power Rings Power Ring must be powered either by magic or by kryptonite, because uh, Superman feels it. So they go back and forth. Uh, Superman takes some of the gold that Power Ring was stealing, melts it, fashions a shield, which, using green flame, Power Ring melts through. uh, Superman then grabs up a sequoia, which must mean that they're fighting out in California, and attempts to Strike power ring with it, but using a green buzzsaw. Power ring um, reduces the sequoia to mere wood shavings, which are now floating all over the place and. Kicking to everybody, Batman creates a vacuum which sucks the wind out of Power Ring. He falls unconscious from uh, oxygen deprivation. And as he is falling unconscious and into Superman's arms because he can no longer fly, Power Ring says Volthoom. Now, Wonder Woman and Superwoman do actually battle each other. I'm not sure why they were chosen to actually battle their analogous person, however they do. Superwoman uh, has stolen some golden statues that have been covered over in plaster to try to hide that they're solid gold. She throws those at Wonder Woman. They bounce off a, a martial arts kick of some sort here, and Superwoman throws Wonder Woman into the atmosphere so high that the jet stream is what stops Wonder Woman's progress out of the atmosphere. Using the jet stream, Wonder Woman stops her momentum and turns back around towards Superwoman, grabbing her, twisting her around so fast that she gets dizzy and loses her ability really to do anything. And in a um, last-minute attempt to do something, Superwoman grabs her lasso and forms it into a flying, flying giant serpent which is okay, so apparently uh, she can do more with her lasso than Wonder Woman can However, Wonder Woman uses her lasso to tie up both this serpent and Superwoman, and... Uh, she remains conscious, but as Wonder Woman grabs her, Superwoman yells out, "Volthoom!" Finally, Owlman has gassed a jewelry store, knocking them all out. When Green Lantern appears, uses some green sponges to absorb the gas, and then makes a cage for Owlman that is too big. Owlman slips through the between the bars. Owlman uses an Illum, illumina illumina gun to try to blind Green Lantern, but it doesn't work. Green Lantern, again, makes a cage. The bar's close enough, but with no top, so Owlman can climb out. And as he's climbing out and he jumps towards Green Lantern, Green Lantern finally realizes that Owlman must have some kind of something that is giving him the ability to tell Green Lantern what to make with his power ring so that he can escape whatever the contraption is that Hal is making. Finally, though, with a, the, the patent-pending green boxing glove, Hal knocks out Owlman, and as Owlman is falling into unconsciousness and into Hal's arms, he also yells, Volthume. Now, on the other side of a Tootsie Pop, Add here, I like to see pops. And the letters pages, or page, just one page it looks like. We continue our story with now, everyone is on Earth-3. Because what happened is the word Valthoom triggered something that, well, I'm sorry, not something. It triggered a counter-vibration in each of the Earth-3 antiheroes that Power Ring had set up. At the behest of Owlman, that when triggered with the word Volthum transported the Earth-3 member back to Earth-3. And since each Earth-3 member was in the clutches of an Earth-1 superhero, they got transported as well. Now we find out that Volthum is the name of the entity let's see, yeah, that uh, gave Power Ring his Power Ring. So there is the connection with with that word. So now the Earth-3 bad guys fight the Earth-1 superheroes and defeat them. Because the narrator told us at the very beginning when he was introducing each of the three worlds that the superheroes of that world were undefeated on their world. So to show that the Earth-3 superheroes were defeated on Earth-1... Which is what they assumed would happen, but they also assumed that if they brought the Earth One heroes to their world, Earth Three, that they would be able to defeat them in turn, which they did. So now they have them captured, and they um, restrain them essentially at the big um, meeting table, like we saw at the at the opening of the book. So what they have chosen to do now is, since the the record is one in one, one to one, right? They they need a a rubber match, and so they decide. They look around and they see if there is a neutral Earth, and lo and behold, there is. We call it Earth Two. So the Earth Three bad guys set up a. Uh, first of all, they they go to Earth. They're they're going to have to go to Earth Two. They don't do it in this issue. That'll be next issue. But they are going to go to Earth Two. They see that there are heroes there. They're going to defeat those heroes. You know, ah, that's no big deal. And then. They will release the captured earth one Justice League heroes on earth 2 and they will find out once and for all who is better because both groups will be on a non-home planet um so the in uh, not in justice society I'm sorry what are they what are they calling themselves here uh do, 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 do. well they don't I don't think they have a name on their Earth, but the Earth three. Sorry, guys, I'm looking here quickly to see if I can see. It's not Injustice Society. What do they call them, or what? What do they get to be called? Let me see if I can find it here. Crime Syndicate. That's it. I apologize. So the Crime Syndicate has set up now that they will meet the JLA on Earth two once. They, the crime syndicate, have defeated the JSA. Now, while they were trying to scope out a neutral planet, the members of the JSA, using Starman's cosmic rod, see that Earth-2 is being espied on by someone from somewhere. Now, they're, they're not too sure. Looking around further, they see that the Justice League is restrained somewhere. Now... Don't believe necessarily. I can't really tell if the connection is made between the people looking in on Earth Two being the same people that have uh, secured the Justice League, uh, the Earth One heroes, and and put them at bay here, captured them. But um, we see in both of these initial panels who one can assume are going to be the fighting forces of the JSA. They being Hawkman, Starman. Black Canary, Dr. Midnight, and Doctor Fate. So they see the Justice League and here is a combination. No, here is a panel that is a very good recreation of the cover with the five members of the JSA looking through a, a the, the sh- crying apparatus that Dr. Fate has put together, seeing the Justice League tied up here at this table uh, magically, because using his magic, Dr. Fate is at least momentarily able to give the Justice League freedom to speak and tell them what's going on. But he can't break them free yet. Uh, I don't know. Story point, I guess. So the JSA finds out exactly what's going on because they free the Justice League long enough to tell them, and then that is the end of the issue. So uh, next time out, I'll be looking at Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, issue number 30, and we'll have the second part of this first, I believe, this first team-up between the JLA and JSA as uh, this occurred in 1964. So now it'll start happening every year for quite a little bit. So next time, Justice League of America, the first volume from 1960, issue 30, which will be from 1964. Talk to you guys then. Ciao.